Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Happy Monday, and it's always weird to say Happy Lent. That doesn't. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it, it could be happy. It's a, you know, in the old translation, the first Lenten preface said, "You give us this joyful season every year to be renewed in mind and, and, and spirit." So, yeah, all right. Why so, can't it be so a joyful season? Happy Lent. There you go. It still it still sounds weird. It does. <laughs> Just a little because we think of penance and, <laughs> and mortification and all that stuff. And no, I mean, but yeah, it could be joyful. Why not? Absolutely. So I, um, you, you said you tried to trim your homily from 1030 to 530. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Didn't uh, work. I mean, you did. I did. Uh, by I a shaved, whole three minutes, three, you said? Three or four. I don't remember. Here's the thing. And it, ha- I, I, it happens to me. I can't speak for other uh, priests, other deacons, other preachers. Uh, when Lent comes, my homilies organically get longer uh, because the readings are so rich, and I guess there's so much at stake. Uh, this is why we, we, we have Lent. And when you're talking yesterday about the Jesus in the desert and the temptations of the devil, yes, you are talking about high stakes. This is a high-stakes showdown in the desert. So uh, I did not plan for a long... In fact, when, when, when I got back to the house and I looked at the video and I saw, okay, when did I start? I remember literally it started at the 26th minute of the Mass and it ended at the 46th minute of the Mass. I go, I preached for 20 minutes? It, I didn't, didn't, it didn't feel like it, though. Oh, well, thank and you. And I, I told you that. No more than one person told me that. But, uh, and, 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 I, and I got the same feedback at 5.30, even with three minutes. The thing is at 5.30, I have a... At a a great audience. We had the Women's Emmaus Retreat, finishing a retreat. And when they're there, it's always, 5.30 was packed yesterday. Really, really, all, pretty much all the masses yep. since last Wednesday have been packed. And, and, and so thank you for, for coming out. But really, uh, I was not planning to, uh, to uh, you know, to do all that, to, to go into, I, you know, I had, you know, the two quotes that we'll get into a little bit later of St. Ambrose and, yep. and, and Benedict Sixteenth and, and I was going to do a little breakdown of, of you know, of the temptations, and that's it, and walk off, and then went off in the spirit, not me, nope. led by the spirit, just go. like the, the gospel <laughs> said, the spirit led me in another direction, and yeah, that's, that's the beauty of this season, though, you know, and, and we we started with it, you know, you, you hear Lent and you think, oh, penance and denying ourselves and sacrifice and give something up and. It's this. I mean, even even the the purple that adorns the all is is this heaviness almost. Right. But it's like it's the build up to, you know, the celebration of celebrations, you know, with with Easter, and for us, you know, as Catholics, we say we're, we're an Easter people, and Alleluia is our song. Shh. I know. Shh. I'm not. In, t- I'm not in liturgy. You can talk about Bruno. <laughs> no, no. No. You know, but but we live. We live. For Easter, uh, and we we live from Easter, mm-hmm. you know, and so so yes, it's it's a heavy season, but it's all about as you said, you know, taking the opportunity of this season 
you know, to, to recenter God in our lives, to, to put faith back at the heart of ourselves, of our families, of our homes, and really prepare ourselves to receive the fullness of grace that comes at the celebration of Easter. Let me ask you a question because uh, I highly encourage everyone, go to the 26-minute mark. I believe it's around there on yesterday's YouTube video. We'll, we'll identify because usually we don't identify it uh, because there's so much that I spoke about. And I really wanted to have Izzy because Izzy was sitting in the yeah. front row and took notes. But Izzy's, Profuse uh, notes. Uh, she's uh, subbing a class today, so she couldn't join us. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway? Because I know we discussed it briefly after Mass with Angie. What was your biggest takeaway from the homily yesterday? Well, you know, I, and I shared this with you later, later yesterday afternoon. Just this idea of you know, let, let's take this season and put God back in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I had a conversation with, with a fellow parishioner on Saturday during the, during the Boy Scouts car wash, which was a huge success, by the way. Oh, they had like hundreds a, of cars. 135 cars, I believe, and, and almost $7,000 between the, the troop and the, uh, you know, between the, the two of them and the pack. Mm-hmm. So props to our, to our scouts for a job mm-hmm. well done. Yes. But I had a conversation with a parishioner who said, you know, I would love to do uh, a consecration to St. Joseph with, with the class, you know, with, with my fellow parents. And I said, you know, what, what a beautiful idea, you know, particularly for dads. And then we, we go to Mass yesterday, and you're talking about, let's take this opportunity, put God back at the center. You know, we've got temptations swirling all around us, and so, so we, Lent gives us this beautiful opportunity, these 40 days to, you know, take that step back, put God back in the middle. And I said, you know, why... Why wait for uh, you know a formal announcement? Let's just do it. Let's just do it. So I so I spoke with you. I spoke with Angie, and and I said, all right, perfect. I have we have a group of pre K three parents that we're just starting to to meet and get to know and, and becoming friends with. So I did it. You know, we sent out a message this morning to the pre K three parents. You know, nice. to, to let's do a, a initiative. Let's do a consecration to Saint Joseph in in the middle of Lent. It actually go from Lent through the beginning of the Easter season. So that we consecrate ourselves on May first, yeah, and that's and what I did last year. I did it. Uh, I think it was March thirty through May first. Did you do May first, or you did? Saint I did Joseph? May, No, I did May first. And what it does is it it added a different dimension yeah. to my Lenten journey. It really did. So you know, so that was my biggest takeaway. You know, because I already had these things, you know, kind of going in my in my head and, and in my heart. So so when I heard that particular line, to, to put God in the center, to use Lent as that opportunity, I said, all right. I'm not waiting for anyone else. I'm going for it. Let's do it. And and if it's three people, great. And if it's fifteen, great. And if it's just me and my and my friend, great. And if it's me and my wife, even better. But you know, I'm I'm gonna go. Let's do it. I believe May first is a Sunday. This it year. is a Sunday. So, yeah. I yeah I w- the May first when I did the consecration was during uh, first communion day for the school. And yep. so between communions, I you know I did I I knelt before Saint Joseph in the church and I asked Sister Rosie to join me. Nice, because the the Carmelites very very strong mm-hmm. uh, devotion to Saint Joseph, and and all of us should. And the reason we're and, I, and I'm glad we're talking about this because the novena to Saint Joseph, I believe, starts on Thursday. Yep. Because it's next on the Saturday is, yep. is 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 the feast. So if you want to get a novena, just Google novena to Saint Joseph and, and do any novena. So powerful. Um, where but does, your your homily was 
all over I mean, the, <laughs> I'm going to say all over the place. I we could, that not all over the place, but there was so much to it. I mean, we could we could spend, you know, all of Lent just dissecting this first uh, this first Sunday's homily. Right. And and let me let me get to that that quote where we I, where I derived that put God back in the center. I was looking for when I was preparing my homily uh, on Saturday, I was looking for words of wisdom, you know, drawing, trying to draw inspiration from our Holy Fathers. And um, I don't know why I stumbled upon that. I, I looked through, I, I stumbled upon this quote from Metternich, the 16th from an Angelus address from this particular Sunday of Lent. You know, the first Sunday of Lent is always the temptations uh, of mm-hmm. Christ in the desert. And 21st of February, 2010, 12 years ago, he said this, and the temptations of, of Christ in the desert are the consequence of Jesus' de- Jesus' decision to carry out the mission entrusted to him by the Father to live to the very end his reality as a beloved son who totally trusts in him, in the Father. Now here's the what I call the money quote. Christ came into the world to set us free from sin and from the ambiguous fascination of planning our life, leaving God out. And that's where I took off. From that, you know, that I kind of threw that, what I hope to be at the end of the homily, and leave everybody with that, and then I just took off in another direction. Because we plan so much of our life, I love the way he phrased it, and this is so Benedict, with this ambiguous fascination of planning our life, leaving God out. So much of what we do, we do leaving God out. I don't think I said it at 10.30, but I, I, I did say it at 5.30. When I bring couples, prepare them for marriage, or even preach them the day of their wedding, I always emphasize putting God at the center of their marriage. Because so many times they, they concentrate on the party and the flowers and the photography and this and that, and all that's well and good and it's important. But they go about the preparation for their wedding, planning, leaving God out. And that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Well, it's like, a, like I tell the First Communion parents, you know, who, you know the veil is beautiful and the, the white suit is great. Looking We're actually looking at a, the, a the bunch of white right ties. N- yeah, right now. Yeah, they're right there in the corner. You know, and the, the pic- yes, we all want a beautiful picture. And especially in, in our church, you know, we, we want, you know, these, these beautiful mementos of that of that day and yeah. and i mean we i've been getting phone calls since september when school started you know when when is my kids first communion mass time so i can plan you know the lunch or, or the the party afterwards and that's wonderful but i say at the retreat you know the real party is what happens inside the church yeah and we may, so and the thing is there's something like that yeah it's something that you know you kind of have god is part of that he's yep. the center of it without he, him he, there there yep. is no party <laughs> but we do all these plans right Leaving God out, yep. and the pictures, and it's already picture season. I saw the first kid yep. taking pictures on the grounds uh, yesterday. You know, the the pictures are important. I, I I have pictures before and after my first communion. I have a picture of my actual. Oh no way! First communion. <laughs> I know I took it. I was there. I remember it. And I and I always say the story. What, what did I do my first communion party? McDonald's. That's right, baby. McDonald's. Da 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> Way, and look at you now, a and priest. I'm a priest. And so I mean, I. The thing is that so so many people like these fancy parties, you know. Kid, let me tell you something, folks. Your kid does not want to go to Morton's. On nothing against Morton's, 
Make a great steak. <laughs> they don't want to go to Morton's. They don't want to go to Season 52. They don't want to go to the Millmore. Now, now we're going off on, okay. a, on a tangent. Yeah, <laughs> we, they, maybe Cheesehead Factory. Yeah, we could we, uh, probably. Invite me. Okay, yeah, but so I'm saying we make all these plans to go back. You know, so all these plans are made without God. So in, the le- you know, in our Lenten journey, we need to say, you know what? I'm doing all these things. I'm making all these plans, whether it be job-related or whether it be family-related or school-related. And, okay, where is God in all this? Like, let me, let's, you know, the example I used yesterday. Kids going off to college. And that's fine. You, you have your college. You have your college. That's what you want. But do, you, do, do the kids stop and ask themselves? Do parents stop and ask themselves? Where does God want me to go? Where does God want my child to go? Okay, and if they go to this university in this city in this college town, okay, how will that impact their faith? So yesterday I used the example of New York. A lot of colleges in New York. Yeah, we're, I mean, I mean, no, but I, I mean, I can't do that. I, we should have had Lewis come in with the keyboard and, and, and rattled off the introduction to New York State of Mind, which is just brilliant by Billy Joe, one of my favorite songs. And, you know, New York has, you know, Columbia, Fordham, NYU, you have, a, you know, a bunch of, and then in Boston, you have even more. You went, you went to school in Boston. You know, you have even more. Washington, D.C., a bunch mm-hmm. of great colleges all over the place. But you go to these places, these, especially New York, great city, so much to offer, so much culture, so much art, so much history, so much to do, but so very far from putting God in the center. And you don't even have to go that far. I mean, I, I went my first two years at FIU, and I was commuting because I was living at home. So I would literally drive in through the main entrance uh, and drive out through the main entrance and pass St. Uh, St. Agatha, mm-hmm. literally right across the street. Right. Like you can't miss it. Just like St. Augustine in front of F- 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 UM. You know, so, and so even for me, you know, I, I went those two years and, and I had my little rebellion stage there. And, and despite passing this church, you know, both ways, in and out every single day you know, with this unmistakable... That boss. had adoration 24-7. Yes, you know. I, I, what you were saying, you know, that first weekend came and I didn't go to Mass and then... You Did know, you I, ever set foot in St. Agatha while you were at FIU? After I discerned the the vocation, uh-huh. um, you know, that, that I was being called uh, to the seminary, mm-hmm. that's the first time I, I crossed the street. Okay, there you go. But... But that was two years in. It's a beautiful chapel. It is. It is. But that was two years in, and and again, I I literally passed by. See it. You can't miss it. And in New York, there's like a church on every corner. On every corner. Okay. I mean, there are probably more churches than no, Starbucks. I need a little more Starbucks. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm, ex- I'm definitely more Jamba Juices. That's for sure. And and uh, Rite Aid, but um, but yeah, that, but that spoke to me because because yeah. I lived it. You you, you know I I lived it and you. And we get it. You know, and, it's, and listen, it's, it's part of life. It is. But the point, the larger point that no. I was trying to make is that, okay, you go through that rebellion, and thankfully you, you overcame it, and you were on the other side. Very, very painfully. Right. Yes. So you overcame it. You know, I need to have more talks about that. I need to know more about these two years of college. But that's I, a, I try to forget. This, so. will, this will not be broadcast, folks. You know. <laughs> um, but 
the larger point that I was trying to make was this: was people. If you go to you, and again, I want to use the example yeah. of New York, okay? Because it's what I know, and it's a city that I love. But I was ma- I was making the, the example yesterday that I go there, taking a Yankee game, taking a Broadway show, visit friends, all that stuff. After four days, I'm exhausted, and it's not because I'm exhausted because all the hustle and bustle and, and running around New York is that the city exhausts mm-hmm. you because the energy of the city when you're sitting in the subway at four o'clock on a weekday afternoon and people are going home four o'clock, five o'clock, people are going home from work. You see people that are look defeated, that have, you know, somebody cracks a smile in the subway. My goodness, you know, yeah. You have people that may, you know, may do like little music things that may cheer people up. That's great. Now, there what there there are times in New York's history after nine eleven during moments of crisis that everybody bands together and everybody looks out for each other, and that's one of the beautiful features of New York. Okay, but more often than not. It drags you down. And where it drags you down is into the sewage of hedonism, the sewage of, you know, of contemporary, you know, I can't say the word value because it's not values, of things that are sinful, of points of view that are sinful, of saying everything matters, everything goes, everything is okay, everything is ah, and it's not. Well, you can almost hear Satan, you know, with the temp- like we did in the Gospels, you know, mm-hmm. Satan... You know, taking these kids up and oh, look, look at this beautiful uh, paradise. It, it can all be yours. Right. You know, every, everything's fine and dandy. Exactly. And and, and the, you, we're speaking of music earlier. I'm thinking of Don McLean's American Pie. I saw Satan laughing with delight yeah. because when you get absorbed by the city, you get absorbed by the yeah. culture of the city, you get absorbed by the the mentality of the city, and that mentality totally excludes God. Yeah. That mentality totally excludes a point of view of the world that includes God, that includes morality. There, there is no. I can't even call it immorality. It's amorality. It's like I'm just gonna do things. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have sex without consequence. I'm gonna, I'm not legalize marijuana in New York. Oh, I mean, let, let's let's just go crazy on that, and let's go drinking, and let's do this, and let's do that, and let's do all these things. Remember, and also New York. One of the things that has always, that since it happened, that it still bugs me to this day when they passed the law in the New York legislature in, in, in Albany, when they passed the law to make abortion legal all up until the moment of birth. That's, that's crazy. And they were applauding mm-hmm. la- as if they were applauding, you know, we ended the war in, war in Ukraine. Yep. Or we just accomplished something monumental. But that's the thing, the, you know, the pro-choice side thinks that was something monumental, thinks that was something that was worth celebrating. I saw Satan laughing with delight yep. the day the music died, to yep. quote Don McLean, because the music did die. And so they're trapped in this hedonistic mentality. Let's just do hedonism, hedonism is do what makes do what you happy, makes you happy yep. do what ma- gives you pleasure without consequences, without knowing that it is killing and destroying your soul. And so we are the ones, and I'm saying we, you and I, People in the church, oh, Father, you're not enlightened. If only you saw the world the way I yep. see it. No, no, you, I see the world, world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. Or I try to see the world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And so those are the temptations that the devil offers us, and we fall into them. There was a quote from St. Ambrose that I used early on in the homily from, uh, from my uh, study Bible that says, Christ goes into the wilderness 
to rescue man from his exile and sin. Listen to that. We are in the wilderness. And St. Ambrose gets into that. Since Adam's expulsion from Eden, man has languished in the desert of spiritual death, cut off from paradise. Christ pursues man in the desert to wrest him from the grip of the devil. So we're there languishing in the desert of spiritual death. This is one of the church fathers. In the desert of spiritual death. Again, it doesn't have to be New York. It could be here in Miami. People come here to Miami, go to UM, go to FIU, and be totally spiritually dead. And so they're in, now they're in a constant state of stress, in a constant state of anxiety, in a constant state of anger. Everything makes them angry. Father, how dare you talk about this? So people may hear this. People may hear this up in New York and say, Father, why are you talking about us? Listen, ask Jorge, who's sitting in front of me, do I love New York? Oh, How many times have I talked about I need to go to New York? I I mean, I love the Yankees. (laughs) Love going to see a Broadway show. Love having a cheesecake Mm. in New York. Love having a good Reuben in New York. Love going to Coney Island and eating a Nathan's hot dog. That's a little bit of a trek, though. What about the the dirty water hot dog stands on the corner? No, I've never never done it. But I I love the city. I love everything about the city. I haven't been in four years. Last time I went was for, for, you know, I literally went just for a Yankee game. You know, and it is amazing. and, And it has so much to offer. But I see children who I have taught, who have been raised in the Catholic Church, and we were talking about that yesterday, who are raised in the Catholic Church that go out and they spiritually die. And the, the sad part is they think they're convinced, you know, that that they have it right. Yep. You know, and, and that's the danger of that's the danger of the devil, because it, the master of lies. You know, and, and you said it in the homily. He knows he knows scripture better than we do, probably. Yep. You know, and, and he use he he twists it, manipulates it, and yeah, and it doesn't start big, you know. It's a little lie here and a little lie there, and he starts creeping in, you know. So, and then next thing we you be, know, yeah, we become numb to sin. Yeah. So, so you know, you, I, I, I see these students of mine, as I'm sure you do as well, and you kind of start to see them, as I say, go off the deep end. And next thing you know, they're they're out there, mm-hmm. and and it's like, it, really out how, there. How how the heck do we do we get them back? Because they're so far gone. Right. I, I didn't mention this at the 10.30, but it did come to me at the 5.30 that uh, by, about seven or eight years ago when you know when I was still on Facebook, I posted something about you know, respect life or you know something anti-abortion. And this young lady who was in my youth group once upon a time, among, you know, and you know, was went to a Catholic school, uh would go to mass. Actually, would 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 call me up and say, "Father, where are you giving mass this week?" and and uh, and come visit me. And what? So when she saw that anti-abortion post, now she lives in California. Need I say more? You know, when I when when she saw that, she messaged me and just tore my head off. How could you be like that? How could you not respect a woman's right to Jews? How can you be so? And I I go wait, wait. and I remind <laughs> I remind her. You were, you used to argue the, no, but now I'm enlightened. Now I know. Now I've seen the truth. And, and you're, 
and you're this and this and that. And I have not talked to her since, you know. And that's one of the main reasons why I, why I got off of Facebook and Instagram because it destroyed me to see my former students, you know, living... I'm not going to say they were living lives of debauchery. Some are living very good lives, very successful lives. It's just that they don't have God at the center of them. And they, uh, and they subscribe to all these lies that the world is feeding them. I really don't want to use the word woke because it's so <laughs> politically charged and so overused. Okay? But because some of those ideologies are Christian ideologies in terms of respecting other people, things in terms of racism. You know, we respect everyone. Everyone has a dignity. Everyone should be treated as equals. Absolutely. These are all Christian ideals. They're in the Bible. It's open right in front of me. But when you take it to an extreme and you leave God out of it, then what are you doing? You're, you're not, it doesn't further your cause. It doesn't further your, 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 the ambitions for that cause. So, when you see that happen, it, it, it gives you the sense of sadness, and you realize that what that that quote from that quote from Saint Ambrose, that you have gone in the desert, you're spiritually dead, but now Christ comes to re- I love this phrase to rest us from the grip of the devil, yeah, and that's that's what we love most, especially during the season of Lent. You know, you referenced it, and and we know the onslaught that's coming. On Saturdays for confession, when the lines, Oosh. you know, reach out to the front door, when we have that penance service during Holy Week, you know, I, I remember coming one year, and the line literally came outside the front door, so much so that we had to call in another priest to hear confessions outside. I think we were in the middle of the the pandemic, so we, there was also social distancing. But the amount of people that were there for confession, there was no social distancing this weekend, and every and the, both lines. Yeah. On each side of the church went more than halfway down yeah. the church. You know, so so we, you know, we think of these students that we've had, and oh, you know, it, it's the. I saw. Um, I told you I, I started watching Ted Lasso. Right, it's it's the hope that kills you, right? Mm-hmm. It, but there are so many signs of hope because you know, for for every one of those students that's that's, you know, going off in the deep end, you know, then Easter comes around, Lent comes around, you know, life goes on, and they start to come back. You know, maybe yes. not all of them. But when you when you see one of them come back, oh my God, the joy that that brings, you know, the the joy that to see an overflowing line for for confession, yeah. you know, the joy to see you know four catechumens, you know, each each year decide that yeah I want to be Catholic, you know, and, and this isn't something mom and dad are forcing me to do. This is me as an adult saying, you know, I've done my I've done my research. I've lived my life. This is truth. This is goodness. This is this is what I want. This is. You know, I believe in this, and what a testament that is to to the parish community, and that's why I love these, you know, these rites that we do, and and when we have them come up and we pray for them as a community, because that is such a testament to the entire community. You know, that that these converts, these these catechumens, are entering into the church, not because someone's forcing them to, but because they they see something good and true and beautiful and valuable, and they want it for themselves. And, and it does give us joy when they come back. And yesterday when I was talking about, you know, all the kids that go to New York, I, I, I mentioned that, you know, I could count on one hand and have fingers left over of the kids that did go and 
did go to mass regularly and did you know participate in their parishes up there. And in the 5:30 mass, I didn't notice until almost the end of the homily that the parents of one of those kids that I was thinking about were in oh, wow. in the congregation. And and this is a girl who went, you know, went to New York to study nursing and graduated as a nurse and, and would go up and down Harlem and 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 like if she owned the place and, and treating people because she would she would go to different houses. And I remember one time when I visited New York, I, I want to say it was about six or seven years ago, that I that she invited me to a holy hour. I was there for four four or five days. And she invited me to a holy hour that they would have on Wednesday nights at her parish, St. Vincent Ferrer, on the Upper East Side. She did not live on the Upper East Side, by the way. <laughs> she lived in Astoria. But, uh, so I went there, and I remember very clearly, first of all, how beautiful the church is, and second, run by Dominicans, and the Dominican who is preaching, order of preachers, I mean, you're always going to get a good homily, saying, here we are in the city, of all the things we could have done on that Wednesday night, So many great restaurants, world-class restaurants, art galleries, you know, so many wonderful things, cultural things that you could do. Of all the things we could have done that evening, we decided to go sit at the feet of the master, to go and be in adoration. What a blessing. And it was so beautiful uh, that, you know, they were there. That all that there were a lot of young adults, professional young adults that were there. It was very edifying mm-hmm. for me as a as a priest. Uh, I believe it, and it's a group of here, uh, blessed uh, here, Georgia Fasadi, yep. and it was a beautiful, beautiful group. And I re, one of the reasons I, I and I and it wasn't selfish reasons, but I wanted to see this to bring it back here. Uh, I wasn't in this parish, but I was in. But I wanted to see what it was it that they were doing. But you know what? It being done, I keep hearing, and I haven't gone to see it with my own eyes. But I keep hearing of all the young adults that go on Tuesday nights to the servants of the pierced heart. Some of them that work in our aftercare in the school that go there because they see the value of going to adoration. I keep yep. telling them, you have, you could have adoration here whenever you want. Just let me know. Yep. So I keep pushing on them, to, <laughs> but they do it on Tuesday nights and it's there. And Father Joe's there hearing confession. God bless them. Nice. And one of these days, I'm going to have to go help them out just because so many of my kids are, are going there. And it is edifying. So you see hope of children, of, of, of young adults, not children anymore, who have not been lured away by, this morning I was thinking of, of Greek mythology and thinking of the sirens in, in the mm-hmm. Odyssey. This, you know, what does Odysseus, Ulysses, have to do to pass by the sirens. He has his men tie him to the mast of the boat and, and you know, so that he would not be lured by this call and the beautiful yes. music of the sirens that would lure him to what? To death. And that's the thing. It's beautiful. It is. You know, you, you think, oh, sin, ugly. Ugh, I don't want anything to do with that. But, but when the temptation comes, you know, it's going to be attractive. And, and that's why... That's why forming ourselves and really, you know, as we as we said at the start, having God at the center, knowing, okay, what what are my boundaries? What's good? What's true? What's beautiful? You know, having that well established so that we can say, yeah, that looks nice, that looks beautiful, but that's not that's not the truth. 
right here and and that's going to be bad for me and and I need to try to stay away from that and and so to put to speaking of boat to put a bow on this <laughs> you know this is chapter 4 of of St Luke the temptation he goes through this goes into the desert led by the spirit goes into the desert for us in other words you could say that kind of his passion starts there because he goes through this physical torment for our salvation to prepare for him to prepare, prepare him for his public ministry and imagine all the times during his public ministry where he does suffer when he sees someone like for example the rich young man who didn't want to follow him all he had to do was sell his you know sell his business and follow him and he goes away that had to have killed Jesus inside bring brought him great sadness when he wept at, at the tomb of his of his friend Lazarus and so Yesterday, we hear Jesus going into the desert to rescue us, to rescue us, because we are the ones in the desert. We are the ones that are lost in the wilderness. We are the ones that are spiritually dead. And so today, you know, I want to pray for, you know, so many mothers who come to me, Father, my, my children go to Mass. Father, I did, every, did I, everything I was supposed to do. And and they feel guilty. And I go, it's not your fault. You 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 said it you said it right. You did everything you were supposed to do. Yes. You raised your children up in the faith. Many of them put them through you know, through Catholic schools from pre-K three through twelfth grade. And then when they turn eighteen, you turn them over to God. Say, God, I did my part. Yes, you still pray for them, yes, you still give them sound advice, but at the end of the day, God gives them free will. And they go, and all of us have to have a desert experience at some point in our life, but we have to find our way out. The only way we could find our way out is by saying no to the lies of the devil and recognizing them as such, as lies, because there is only one truth. You know, there's, there's a great line all the way at the end of, Le- at the end of the, this Lenten season on Good Friday when we hear the gospel, the Passion According to St. John, when, you know, when... Pilate asked Jesus, what is the truth? He was looking at him. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We know the truth. The truth has been given to us. When we wander into the wilderness. The only way we get out of it is by saying no to the devil and saying no to all the lies that he feeds us. And, and I want to end how I ended my homily yesterday by how the gospel ended. And the devil departed it for him for a time. In another translation, it says, in a, for, in, in, you know, departed him until a more opportune time. The devil won't quit. You know when the devil will quit? The day that we enter heaven. Yep. <laughs> That's when he realized, oh, I'm done. That's game over. <laughs> okay? Because you could talk to the holiest people in the world. You could talk to our nuns. You could talk to me. Okay, considers myself that holy, but every day is a different temptation. Every day is a different, you know, temptation to walk away from God, to wander into the wilderness. Okay, so the devil departed Jesus for a time, and he comes back with a fury on the night before the Passion in Gethsemane in the garden, where Jesus sweated blood for us, and he asked the Father, "That was." 
the ultimate temptation, let this chalice pass from me. No, we have to embrace our sufferings. We have to embrace these, you know, and embrace all these assaults that we have to be able to say no and to defeat the devil once and for all. So my friends, let us put God back at the center of our lives during this Lenten season. Lent is a time to make all things right, to make all things new in Jesus Christ. The only way we do that is by, you know, listening to that phrase from Pope Benedict, you know, by rejecting that ambiguous fascination of planning our life, leaving God out. It's time to plan our life with God at the center of our life. Fiancé's boy. Exactly. It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but just... No. Get out of here. <laughs> what was that last night? We have to go from that segment to sports now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Tough transition. <laughs> Tough transition. When there's still not much to talk about. It's, it's like, you know, I thought, oh, maybe we should give the sports segment during Lent, but things we had March Madness... You have so much stuff, you know, going down the stretch towards the NBA playoffs. You have, at least for me, the Masters, which you and I will see. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe sometime this decade baseball will be back. Oh, <laughs> see, they gave us hope, and what you were just it's saying. It's the hope that kills you. Right. We were there, we were at right at the one-yard line, and, you know, right at third base with, you know, no one out, you know, runners on... Bases loaded, we couldn't bring that run across to hit, seal the hit deal. Hit into the double play, of course. Yes, of course you hit into the <laughs> Marlins special. So, yeah, we have no baseball. But uh, we have basketball, and, and and we have March Madness. A week from, a week a from week yesterday from, yeah, will be Selection, selection Sunday. Sunday. All right. This coming Sunday, Selection Sunday, Canes Hoops playing very well. Canes Ladies Hoops, Lady hoops. they went all the way to the final and played very, very well. In the first half, and then great NC State team. Uh, but great job by the Lady Canes. Uh, but Canes Hoops playing well, beat Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. Uh, did you see the the video? Or I don't know if it was a video or a picture. The Canes Sports tweeted. Oh, no, you're not on Twitter. Never mind. Mm-mm. You gave that up. I did, but what was so it? After, it? after the loss of in the ACC championship game, you know, you'd think they'd all be, you know, down in the dumps. But they're on the bus ride home, and they're – they're laughing and dancing, and having a good time because they're they're going to the dance. They no, they just, and they were probably going to the dance anyways. But it I mean, we just but what, what an attitude, right? It you, is. You just lost the championship game for the for the conference. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's to, to go to Ted Lasso, right? They, they were goldfish, right? Forgot that right away, and and all right, let's move on to <laughs> the to the big tournament all right, now. I have to say. That. Jorge mentioned in the first segment. I'm I binged all ten episodes of, of the, season one. Yeah, between Saturday and Sunday. So <laughs> he is right now on a Ted Lasso. Yes, Ben. I I, I haven't grown said, I haven't grown out the the mustache. the mustache. Yeah, but I I have to say this. <laughs> there's a couple of crude things here and there, but one of the best shows to come out in a long time, and it came out during the pandemic. And every episode that uh, comes out just leaves you so. Filled with positivity and feeling so good. 
It's hard to turn it off. That's the that's the yeah. It's it's just amazing part. and and yeah, it, it, it's just great. If you haven't watched it, it it's great. You don't have to be a, has, you don't have to be a soccer nope. fan. Speaking of soccer, we got a problem down here. <sighs> we have a problem down here. I, uh, yesterday, the first game they they, they drew uh, Inter Miami, and the Herons came out yesterday against Austin, which uh, started their season la- started their team last year. So you have Inter Miami in the third season, Austin. In their second season, they killed us five to one. Yeah, we were, I, we were I, at Fritz and Franz for lunch, and every time I looked up, yeah. they had scored another goal. I'm like, oh, glad I'm not uh, no, paying, I, I paying the, too close attention. I to saw that. the first maybe 15 minutes or something like that. And I had to go to mass, but I kept looking at the score. When I walked out of the house, I didn't see the first goal of Austin, but when I walked out of the house, they had scored right before I started mass. They scored again, and I remember uh, they uh, ESPN had their A team. Uh, Calling the game, uh, John Champion and Taylor Twelman, and 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 Taylor Twelman, whose opinions I really respect when it comes to soccer. What are we doing? You know, that's that's Taylor Twelman, and uh, he was saying, "No, this inner Miami team, you know, it's got." And and John Champion said, "Gone to austerity." And Taylor Twelman saying, "Yeah, right now it's Gonzalo Higuain and just a bunch of characters." He said, "Yes, they like he liked from the first game that they played as a team, but you know, I I don't know what he said at the end of last yesterday's game, but this is like." Wow, totally against what we were promised. I mean, not to say that you know we're gonna win, you know, so fast. But Atlanta United won. I believe they won the MLS Cup in their second mm-hmm. year. You know, the the blueprint is there. Thing is, I think we over, you know, we we overshot the moon a little bit on that one. So soccer uh, down here is not that great. Basketball, thankfully, is. Heat had an amazing week. Last a week ago, they were playing. Chicago Bulls, who were nipping at their heels, and took care of that, destroyed them. Then they went to Milwaukee and were handling Milwaukee and were killing Milwaukee in every phase of the game. Up, you know, up until about four minutes to go, they were up by fourteen, which is right around the time that I turned on the game. <laughs> go figure. I had a long, long day, and they didn't show up. The last four minutes of the game, and Milwaukee won basically on a bucket at the end of the game. Heart-wrenching. The next day, they went to face the Nets, and Kevin Durant, who was coming back from injury, I'm like, oh, this is not going to happen. Yeah. Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry weren't playing. Oh, but you told Ash, that we were talking about it in your office mm-hmm. that day. Oh, she was of, so destroyed by so that Milwaukee like, game. So, oh, she was not looking forward to the Nets game, but you said, oh, back-to-backs. You... Eric Spolstra knows. He really does. There were a couple of calls at the end of that Milwaukee game that really should have gone yeah. for us. That, or actually, no call, non calls that we were, and and probably would have helped us win the game. But it is what it is. And uh, they beat the Nets. And then Saturday, I was looking forward to Saturday because we were playing Philly. Everybody was all about Philly and and Joel Embiid and James Harden. But James Harden didn't play. But we yeah. still beat Philly. And st- and wasn't Stanley? It was a close game, and we pulled away at the end. And that it was a great week. Bam Adebayo played out of his mind. And by the way, we twenty eighth of of March we're going to the Heat. We have limited seats still limited available. Limited seats still available. The kids from Saint Teresa School will be performing. Get this: the halftime entertainment. Show. Yeah, we thought we were going to do the national anthem. We get the halftime show. I mean, you know, the funny part is that they were. So, so a little backstory: we had we had an original game in mind for the national anthem that fell through so we've been going back and forth with with the heat reps to try to get a new game they were 
petrified of telling us, oh, there were no more games with the national anthem, so we would have to do a halftime show. And we're like, what? That's, yeah. that's awesome. More time. It's that's 12 awesome. minutes. So well, that's coming up on the 20th of March against the Sacramento Kings. I, and I, I cannot name a single player on the Sacramento Kings. I believe Justice Winslow was traded to Sacramento. Can't, I can yeah. I can't. You know what's even worse? We're talking about Canes hoops, and we're going to. We we started in the quarterfinals in the AC tournament on Thursday, and if we win three in a row, we win the the conference, the title. Um, I can't name a player on the UM hoops team, and you're nodding your head. You're shaking your head, excuse me, and and negative. So, because that's how much Canes hoops we've seen this season. We will learn these names because we'll probably be in here in his office. On Thursday afternoon, oh, yeah. watching the game For and, sure. we, and following and, our brackets, yeah, well, gotta get no, the bracket no, this, challenge going. That's but that's oh yeah, that's the ACC tournament. Yep. Some people will argue that this week is more exciting than next week. The first two days of March no. Madness are no, 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 no. No, but you, but you, here's the argument. I'm not saying it's not my argument. Some people why? Because you have ACC, Big East, Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, uh, SEC tournaments all going on at the same time, so you have much more teams. Many much more games going on at the same time, and and the thing is that these people that argue these things are people that are very close to the desert. When I say desert, meaning Vegas, not the desert yeah. we talked about. In yeah, the, but for, the, the stakes, the stakes just no, aren't, the stakes aren't as aren't high. But same. I mean, but, you got but, your bubble busters trying to make some noise, but yes. But outside of that, no. What you what you what you have is teams that that are playing for their tournament lives that uh-huh. need to advance. And the only way they could get into the big dance is by winning the tournament outright. Yeah, that's now, what I'm saying. You, you have the bubble busters making noise, but but you know your top seeds, whether they win the conference or not, they're they're going in. So yeah, yeah, they're they're playing for a nice extra trophy. Now, did you see anything about Coach K's last game and Cameron Endor on on Saturday? I saw uh, I saw his impromptu speech uh, at the end. Why? And it was it was pretty it was pretty impressive that he came out. So. They they did not play. No, I, there there were so many to things. their standard. No, and, and credit to Carolina, we should have beaten Carolina yeah. here. I remember watching that game. Yeah. But he but he came out and said, you know, this was unacceptable. And the the crowd started, no, no, this is and great. He was like, Shut and up. He was like, stop talking. <laughs> and he did. It was like, look at me, I'm the captain now. Stop. <laughs> you know, he said today was unacceptable. We, it, it was a post game ceremony. The, the season him, was yeah. not was acceptable, but today was unacceptable. They were the regular and, season champs, and that was impressive to hear. Well, we beat. On that floor. That's right. You know we can't name a single player on that team. I'm, I'm sure that we can, but right now it's escaping us. So uh, everything is going right. The Panthers played well in their last game. Uh, we, Jorge and I, are just sitting here as two baseball fans because that are just burned because minutes after we posted last week's yeah. podcast. I almost get, had to take it back. Yeah. We get the news. That the captain resigned. Derek Jeter resigns as CEO of the Marlins. And why are you putting captain in quotes? Resign. No, Re- oh, resigned. Oh, resigned. Oh, resigned. <laughs> I'm not saying he's a ca- he is the captain. Um, so was, evidently, he wasn't going to be renewed anyway at the, end of, at the end of his contract. Okay, but my question to you. Was Derek Jeter's four-year term as CEO successful? I think so. By the way, I'm not. I'm not the one who has Derek Jeter. He's not. Uh, George is not the one that has Derek Jeter on. His I wall. think so. I mean, but you're coming off of you're coming off of Loria and Samson. So mm-hmm. I mean, you could have thrown anybody up there as long as they have a you know, a friendly <laughs> face and then not an annoying voice. 
I would deem them successful. But <laughs> uh, I know about it, but you, seriously, you what could rattle off so many things what, that he did. What he did for what what he what they did because it was the whole group, but but to build up our farm system, you know what they did with the stadium to to make it less cartoon. I don't know some people got a kick out of it, but. Yeah, you know, it's a. I, I, mean, I, I wasn't a big fan of it of the you know the, the colors of the, and, of the, and the of the so. slime green you know, of the of the of the home run yeah. sculpture. I don't I do miss it. But uh, I no. that, nothing happens during home runs now. Yeah, I mean I, that part I miss, but the actual structure no. Okay. No, we I mean, can, you could have done something else. Get creative with something else. It should it should be something else. But see, this is how much we're hungering for baseball. Yeah. That, but but what he did with the whole Dimelo Miami campaign. Uh, yeah, but but at least whether they, they did listening. anything with it or not, you know, to to go out and say, you know, we want to hear from you, the fans. No, and and he and he That's did, big. and he did, and and from people that I know that work in the organization, he was there every day. He was a very hard worker. Uh, the farm system was good, but we we discussed this last week off the air. There had to have been philosophical difference between yep. him and Sherman, for him to say, "I'm out," because we are at the point now where you have the pitching in place. Yep. You have Sandy. You have all, you, hopefully Sixto Sanchez could stay healthy. You have all these great arms. Pablo. You have Pablo Reyes. You have all these Lopez. great arms. Pablo, sorry, Pablo Lopez. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah, it's been too long. Okay, you have all these great arms. Wait, did I just correct you on a name? Yes, you did. Oh wow, I gotta in, in I gotta baseball. memorialize this. <laughs> yeah, in baseball too. I was thinking of somebody else, and you have no bats. You have no bats. Our our biggest bat in the order right now is Brian Anderson. Maybe Jazz, you know, Chisholm. Oh, what you, a beautiful swing! Great swing, but God, all these, that. all these guys, and we should, we should have thrown the kitchen sink at Starling Marte and brought him back. That man was a good presence in the clubhouse. Was yeah. a good presence in the outfield. Was a veteran bat, and and we we talked about it briefly last week when when we we knew that was we we, we no we thought we had some hope there was going to be a deal. To end the lockout, but we were like, eh, not really. We're like, we really have to hit the ground running when the lockout ends to go into yep. free agency because we need, we need a center fielder. Oh yeah, <laughs> the center fielder. By the way, going back to the to, to that that soundbite from the bump, you know, we need a running back. Mike, Mc, uh, I was going to say uh, Mike you McCarthy. Almost did it. You I almost, almost did. did. <laughs> See, you, you 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 messed me up. Mike McDaniel <laughs> gave a press conference at. Uh, at uh, at the combine, which was last week, and you know, and and it wasn't the run of the mill press conference as you could imagine, and there was a great bit. He he was interviewed, uh, I want to say the week before the combine by Rich Eisen, the Rich Eisen show who worked for NFL Network, and Rich Eisen is always railing about about pre- coaches' press conferences so cliched, yeah. you know. And there's, I'm trying to remember. You don't kids, like coach talk? No, I hate coach talk. Heard enough of it. You know, during during my 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 time in professional sports, but I believe that the three are the three biggest cliches are: it is what it is. I don't have a crystal ball. I can only talk about the players here. Now, how much coach how much coach talk is there in the locker room, or that's just reserved for the press conference? Because mm. yeah, I have to imagine there's some of it going on. Oh yeah, we 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 lose as a team. It wasn't one person who lost the game. Yeah, yeah well the kicker missed the field goal. <laughs> you know, or the quarterback played like. You know, yeah. play like, you know, crap today. No, yes. There are other people that could have stepped up, but, yeah, you know what it is. So those three crates, it is what it is. I don't have a crystal ball. And I'm laughing at this. 
And I can only talk about the players. He had a he had a, so Rich Eisen interviews Mike uh, McDonald. Uh, oh, Daniel. Ah, Mc- oh, I did it twice. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Why? Mike McDonald is is. I'm enjoying this. Is one. a singer. Uh, okay, so you're just thinking about McDonald's before. from your first communion. I am. I'm I a little can, hungry. I, can, now. I could use an egg McMuffin right about now. <laughs> Please don't send egg McMuffins to the church. I'm trying to lay off of them. Um, he interviews in the week before the combine. This is the longest story. And last, and and when they're interviewing, he talks about these cliches to coach. And he said, and coach says, God bless him. He goes, you know what? If you show up to my press conference, I will weave those three answers into one, those three cliches into, into one, one answer. answer. So he does a 30 minute press conference and Rich Eisen there and he's like getting a little nervous that he's not going to do this. And they're teeing up questions where he could use these cliches. He leaves it to the end, like a walk off homer. They ask him about Xavier McDaniel because he, you know, every year we have contract issues with him. And he goes, well, it is what it is. I don't have a crystal ball at what's going to happen. I can only talk about the players that are here. And, and Rich Eisen comes out, <laughs> the most unprofessional thing you do as a journalist, comes out, high fives the coach. <laughs> and the coach walks off. And it was just amazing. Look for it on, on YouTube. It is just amazing. What it, that is our coach. I am so looking forward to what he, uh, what he has to, uh, to say and what he's going to do with his team. Had a great interview with Pat on the Pat McAfee show uh, talking about what they would do or are going to do with Tua. And, again, not a lot of coach speak. And that, that should excite us. So now, I, I, Before we wrap here, I want to pick your brain on, on the latest news out of, uh, out of the U. Hey. Jason Taylor. Hey now. Jason Taylor hired as an off-field analyst. Mm-hmm. How about that? Listen, Hall of Mar- NFL. Mario's making NFL Hall of is, Famer. Is there a day that goes by that Mario's not hiring another big name? Hire hire as many as you want. This is awesome. It it is. I I mean, is it September selfish, yet? Come on, come selfishly, on. <laughs> I would I would prefer Jason to be the defensive line coach of the Miami Dolphins. Selfishly, but the thing is that that takes up so much time. I understand why Jason did that. He just had us, um, not just, but maybe a couple a year ago or two, just had a baby, um, and I know he's a big family man. So God bless him, and he also has the Dolphins radio gig on the side. So this is perfect for him and help out at a very successful university. And I can't wait till September either. This is going to be so much fun. Uh, Oscars are coming up in three weeks. You saw an Oscar-nominated film. We're not going to talk about it today. We're not going to talk about it today, but yeah. He saw Coda. So you've seen Don't Look Up. Un- unfortunately. No, it was, it was funny. Okay, it you saw funny. Don't Look Up. You saw Coda. <laughs> I ha- I want to see Belfast this week. And there, there are two or three more that I may throw your way to see because this is an interesting... Uh, this is an interesting... We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about your impressions of Coda Uh not maybe not next week, maybe the week after as we get closer bring to the Oscars. A, bring a box of tissues because <laughs> I don't know why you think tearjerker. I thought it was a great, but we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about that because we we dedicated an episode uh, last season yep. on the, when we had the reading of, of Jesus healing the deaf mute, and we talked about that. And we talked also about the sound of metal, which was nominated last year for an Oscar, did not win, but Coda has an opportunity oh, to win because yeah. they won the SAG award. I didn't talk about it last Monday, but they won the SAG award for best ensemble, which is the equivalent of Best Picture. We'll talk about it, and I want Jorge's impression. That's a teaser for next week. So, friends, uh, Lent started. Lent is here. Very simple. Takeaway from today's episode. 
Place God at the center of your life. It is in the wilderness that we get lost. It is in the wilderness that we fall into temptation and sin. We can combat that. We simply place God at the center of our life. Also, remember to keep praying for the people of Ukraine, for all that mess to please, you know, soldiers are laying down their arms. We need more of that. We need more people to advocate for peace. Don't stop praying. Wear out those rosary beads. You know, wear out your knees. Go to prayer. Go to adoration. Spend time in our church. This is a time of prayer. This, as we heard in, on, on Ash Wednesday, this is the acceptable time. This is the time to make things right and to put God back at the center of your life. And Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.